Mr. Hazard. You appear to be writhing in your seat. Is this a nervous condition? Oh, yes, it is. It's a nervous condition. What? No. No, it's, uh, it's, it's not a nervous condition. Oh. Mrs. Billings, I, I don't mean to be rude, but uh, no one destroyed President Nixon. The, the man destroyed himself with the secret bombings in Cambodia. He rigged a, a presidential election. The, the media didn't create that. He, he put it down on tape. You're not old enough to know who did what. My job. One thing I will not have in my classroom is anarchy. Anarchy? The man lied. He resigned a disgrace. I mean, is it anarchy to discuss the facts? Mr. Hauser, this is my classroom. I decide what are and are not facts. You, sir, are in my class. Mrs. Billings, we're all adults here. I mean, you seem like a fairly reasonable person. I mean, really, is it is it your class or... Is it our class? It's our class. Brain. Uh, nosebleed. Major nosebleed. Oh, you want you want my name? Maxwell. Maxwell what? Hauser. Hauser. Welcome to Sweep Delay Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike Mac Masunas. How's everybody doing today? I am doing great. Today is a very, very special day. And the reason for that is today is February 12th. Now, for those of you who have not been with me since the very beginning, maybe you're a new listener, maybe you've been around for a little bit. If you don't know, today is the two-year anniversary for STL. That's correct. Two years ago today, STO was born, and the crappy Adventures in Babysitting episode hit the airwaves. I managed to somehow, some way, interest some people and keep the podcast alive. And thank the Lord, the podcast got better and better as it went on. And everybody forgot about Adventures in Babysitting. So needless to say, it's been a very fun ride so far these past two years it's it's man it feels just like yesterday it's hard to believe the amount of changes and amount of uh, friends and just so much that has happened within the past two years it's really really crazy you know just in the uh, past year alone we uh, we introduced uh, the YouTube channel we got a whole lot uh, STL members uh, the STL nation group was born and uh, that you know the Facebook group and that's kind of where we all communicate daily in fact we actually have a really fun game going on now it's the STL word game where essentially you know we're trying to outdo each other with various movie titles you know for example you you put a word down like a movie title and you try to you know Mr. Crumb you know and then like Mr. Mrs. Smith you know one of those word games anyways it's fun we're at like 200 posts right now it's pretty crazy but it's just been it's been a lot of fun, you know, and as you guys may or may not have known today, I released the uh, new STL logo and I hope you like it. Good old uh, my buddy Jason, you know, I was kind of talking to him a little bit and, you know, he created the original design of the logo. But I just like, you know, I kind of was touching base with them and some ideas I had. And uh, of course, he got busy. 
So I kind of, you know, took his original concept and uh, did a few things to it. And, and we got the final touches and I released it. So I hope you dig it. Now, I know the STL crane kick is a little bit smaller than you're used to. But overall, I think it looks pretty awesome. And uh, I had to have the crane kick on there because that's the trademark of STL is that uh, crane kick. It's, it's some good times. So I'm very excited for this episode. Now, I know most of you, it seems, I thought, that Hiding Out was a big movie that everybody had seen. But evidently, not a lot of people have seen this movie. I guess it's pretty rare. I guess this is the rarest movie that I have done on STL. Uh, I wouldn't say it's as rare as Cool as Ice. But it feels like it almost. So I don't think I'm going to have a lot of people listening to this episode. So if you are listening to this episode, either you've seen this movie or you're just listening just to listen. So thank you. So before we get rolling into the movie review of Hiding Out, let's get into some quick movie and music news. Alright, so first up in movie news. Now, if you are a fan of the film uh, Finding Nemo, which I am a big fan of, I love that movie, the father of Nemo, I believe his name is Albert Brooks, the guy that does the voice, has officially been signed as of today to do the voice in part two. I'm not sure if it's going to be called Finding Nemo 2 or Nemo 2, whatever it's going to be. I have no idea if it's a prequel or sequel, whatever they're doing. But I've always enjoyed Finding Nemo and I've always wanted them to make a sequel. I heard about it last year. I haven't really heard any upcoming news on it until today. So that means, look, it, it obviously means that they have plans to go forward with Finding Nemo 2 by signing the dad. Now, I haven't heard if Ellen has signed on to do Dory or anybody else's back, just the father. So this is good news. I'm excited. I'm a big Finding Nemo fan and I can't wait to see what they are going to do with the sequel. So I will keep you guys posted on any upcoming news I have for that. Okay, now, uh, the new Die Hard film. Now, the last episode I talked about the Die Hard set that I got. I just wanted to give you guys a heads up. That is a Blu-ray exclusive. They did only make that for Blu-ray. So if you were out there and you don't have a Blu-ray player or you were looking for the DVD version of that, you will not find it. Now... I ended up watching all of them, and I got to Live Free or Die Hard. Now, Live Free or Die Hard, I love that movie. I told you guys that before. However, there's probably a reason why I love that movie. I, to this day, have never seen the PG-13 version. I've only ever seen the unrated version, or I like to consider it the R version, because Die Hard to me is not Die Hard unless it's rated R. So maybe that could be the reason why people hate it. I don't know. I don't really care. But the point is, is that... Uh, on that Blu-ray set, you only get the PG-13 version, which surprises me because there's all these special features that go along with the Blu-ray 
and I was shocked to find out that Live Free or Die Hard was the PG-13 version and there was no unrated cut for me to choose from so it was a big disappointment so I ended up throwing my DVD so we could finish out the series before we go see number five. Now uh, number five as you know will be coming out this Thursday. This Thursday is Valentine's Day and my wife and me we never do anything special for Valentine's Day. In fact, we always think, you know, Valentine's Day is every day for us, you know, no big deal. But we had plans to go out and do uh, Die Hard for Valentine's Day, and then she got called into work. So, unfortunately, we have to skip our Valentine's Day plans, but hopefully Friday we'll get to go. And as you guys know, or you may not know, on the uh, Facebook page and in the group, I recently announced that I was planning on doing some premium episodes. But I've always been one of those guys that I want, you know, premium episodes are cool, but I always wanted to do it myself, but not charge anybody for it. And you're like, well, how are they premium episodes if you're not, you know, charging people for it? Well, for me, you know, because of the fact it's going to be on a different feed, you can't get it on iTunes. You have to specifically go to a special location to download these episodes kind of makes it premium. Now, um... It's something I've been thinking about doing, especially after I saw the Fast 6 trailer. I really wanted to do the Fast and Furious franchise because there's no way I was going to be able to do like G.I. Joe or the Fast and Furious franchise with all the upcoming plans I have to do like Rocky and to do uh, Lethal Weapon and so on and so forth. They would mess up those plans. So that's when I thought about doing the premium episodes. Funny enough, Jason over at Flix released the, their side of the premium episodes and you know, I know some people are like, oh, you're just copying, whatever. But just so you guys know, I did actually have it in my mind for a while. It just finally came to full-blown, I'm going to do it. Once I saw the Fast 6 trailer and decided this was the way to go. So when I do the premium episodes, which probably, if I do see the new Die Hard, I might make that my first premium episode. And there's no time, obviously, for me to do the whole entire Die Hard series. So essentially, if I do that as my first episode, I was going to do G.I. Joe right before G.I. Joe 2 comes out. But I may do Die Hard 5. That would be on a separate feed. I'll post that where you can uh, you know, get that. The cool thing is, is that it's free. It'll always be free. But if you do want to donate something, that's cool. I'm not going to... Uh, deny that uh, you know if you want to be nice and, and do something that's awesome but the point is, is I want to make them premium to where they're special to where you can't get them on iTunes they're they're special for the fans like you know uh, special requests certain series that normally most people wouldn't want to listen to on the feed those are the kind of things that I'm thinking of premium wise so I will definitely do the Fast and Furious franchise on the premium uh, feed along with uh, G.I. Joe 1 and then the new G.I. Joe movie, but I may do the new Die Hard as the very first episode. So I will keep you posted on that and where you can look forward, uh, you know, where you can look forward to that. So I'm excited for it. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on movie and music news this week just because uh, I don't really want to spend a whole lot of time on this particular movie review. So I'm just going to kind of cut it short and sweet here. I did see the Red 2 trailer. It looked really fun. Uh, it's great to see John Malkovich back and kind of messing around with Bruce Willis' character. Pretty excited for that one. And uh, we all know the Super Bowl released a whole bunch of trailers. And Fast 6 was 
just unbelievable how how amazing it was and then the following like two days later they did the full blown three minute trailer and it was just it was so awesome and I was like okay I gotta do the Fast Furious franchise the Iron Man trailer unfortunately I was kind of expecting more it was really cool though kind of a cool cliffhanger but I was hoping to see a little bit more because the first trailer was so awesome but it was kind of funny with the whole lights going out and I, I just really watched it for the commercials but I saw about the lights going on and I kind of watched Beyonce's performance a little bit but I don't really have too much to say about that in regards to the Grammys I'll kind of talk about that for a little bit when I get into the music section but for the last bit of movie news that I wanted to talk about and something that I could care less about and uh, that's Zombieland now uh, don't get me wrong Zombieland uh, I love that movie in fact uh, I mean I would have to say that the Zombieland episode itself that I did with Jameson is probably my favorite episode out of all the episodes I've done in STL it was just so much fun a lot of great content in there uh, as you guys know we were kind of talking about a sequel TV show and kind of the follow-up they are in fact doing the TV show they already have certain people cast. This is going to be on Amazon. It's going to be like a 30-minute type of thing. Uh, the people they have attached, they have like uh, a girl from Switched at Birth is supposed to play Wichita, uh, which of course was Emma Stone's character. Uh, various people have been signed uh, as Little Rock and Columbus, Tyler Ross and Isabella Vidak, uh, if that's how you say it. I don't know who these people are. They look very young. I'm not excited for this. I probably won't even check it out. I may check the first episode out just to see how terrible it is, but I'm not looking forward to it. So I would just say if you're a fan of Zombieland, you love Zombieland, just stick with that and just skip the TV show altogether. But, you know, to me, I kind of feel like it's a Walking Dead ripoff. You know, Walking Dead is so phenomenal and people are just in such love for it. Then you get Zombieland TV show and it just feels like, you know, it just feels like a ripoff. So that's the uh, that's the last bit of movie news I wanted to touch on is uh, avoid the Zombieland TV show. But if you are curious, hey, if you check it out, let me know and say, hey, is it worth my time? But for me, I really feel it's kind of pointless for this TV show and the people they have attached are not exciting whatsoever. So I just think it's going to be kind of a big failure. So uh, in regards to music news, obviously we had uh, Beyonce do the Super Bowl. I guess it was pretty big. You know, she did a really good job as what I hear. You know, I kind of caught bits and pieces. I know Destiny's Child came back, but the Grammys were kind of the big talk. And the biggest thing is that Justin Timberlake came back to, uh, you know, he kind of kind of talked a little bit about how he's going to make a new album. People have been waiting for it. He was kind of teasing it, and then of course he shows up at the Grammys, and uh, you know I guess kind of stole the night. And even LL Cool J performed at the Grammys, so that was pretty cool as well. And uh, actually, funny enough, there's actually rumors of uh, Jay Z and Justin Timberlake touring together. And I actually I love the collaboration of Linkin Park and Jay Z. I think it's one of the best collaborations I've ever heard on an album. It just kind of amazes me how well. Jay-Z's hip-hop mixes in with Linkin Park's style of music. It was uh, It's just a phenomenal CD and uh, really like it. So it'd be funny to see what Justin Timberlake does with the, the Jay-Z tour. And also, uh, Mumford & Sons uh, was one of the one of three bands 
to get a grant, not Grammy, uh, Platinum Award in 2012. Now, Platinum, obviously, if you don't know, is when you sell a million records, or as they say, shipped. That's where, you know, they shipped a million records. That not necessarily mean you sold that much. That's just how much has been shipped from the company. Well, Skillet is actually one of the three. Mumford & Sons, Skillet, and another band are uh, one of the three rock bands to go platinum in 2012. Now, we all know how hard it is to go platinum nowadays with the whole digital age, but it's kind of cool that uh, my second favorite band was one of the bands that uh, has been highlighted a lot on this uh, podcast, and they were one of the bands to go platinum. That's pretty awesome. So, overall, Grammys, um, I missed it, so I can't comment too much. Those were kind of the big stories, though, was the Jay-Z and, and Timberlake tour and just kind of how he stole the show. So that's pretty awesome. Good job. Uh, I know Jameson absolutely loves Justin Timberlake, but uh, we, you know, don't let him know that I told you that. So that's it, guys. For movie and music news this week, I promise I'll do some more on the next episode because the next episode if you guys, uh, you probably don't know this, but there was actually a vote that was up. Essentially, I was going to do House Party on the next episode, but uh, that got canceled because nobody really wanted me to do it, so I kind of put up a vote. And in that vote, I had uh, Pulp Fiction, Amazing Spider-Man, Just One of the Guys, Dumb and Dumber, The Day After Tomorrow. I had a, I had a few movies in there. And the three movies that were going neck to neck were Just One of the Guys, Pulp Fiction, and Amazing Spider-Man. And Just One of the Guys is the winner. So uh, that seems to be, uh, you know, a movie a lot of people have seen. So I think I'll actually get emails on that episode. So I'm going to save the movie uh, and music big news I have for that episode. So that is the next episode. Just one of the guys. So uh, get your emails in for that. And remember, good old Johnny from Karate Kid. He's the douchebag bully as always. Uh, so that's it's great. To, it's going to be awesome to see Zapka again. I'm looking forward to it. So that is it uh, for movie music news. Let's get into the review of Hiding Out. Who wants to kill you? Oh, well, this money guy who came to our company with a lot of bonds he wanted us to handle. Millions of dollars worth. Oh, come on. What do you think Capitos is going to do? He's going to kill us? Get us laundering money for the mob. There's only one thing more frightening than murder. High school. John Cryer is hiding out. You've left the outside world. You've got to orient your thinking. you got to think of oppression. Think limits. Think humiliation and despair. You're in high school, for God's sake. No smoking on the school grounds. First name first, last name last. Oh, you want, you want my name? Maxwell. Uh, oh, oh, uh, Andrew. Max. Max. Right. Sean? You're the guy that's looking for the newspaper from up there in Boston. I used to be exactly like you. I was a short, hopeless dork. But look at you now. Well, I'm not short. <laughs> well, I can look at her face the rest of my life. The rest of your life may not add up to much, pal. Well, I'm almost 30 and I'm still in high school. And I hate it. What is this stuff? You don't want to know. John Cryer. High school attended. Cornell. High school. Is hiding out. All right, hiding out. Now, here's the thing. Um, I actually was under the impression that a lot of people have seen this movie. 
you know, I, I knew that it was obviously an older movie. I mean, it's from 1987, but a lot of people know who John Cryer is. I mean, if you guys know, he's on TV currently on Two and a Half Men. You guys know uh, Keith Coogan, which was uh, in the last movie I did, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. He was Kenny. And then he was also Brad in Adventures of Babysitting. So I just assume this is one of those movies where everybody's seen it. But the more people I talk to, uh, the more they were like, no, nah, I've never seen it. You know, I only heard about it through this podcast. So, of course, Lisa the Legend and Tawana had seen this movie. I tried to actually put it on YouTube uh, for that way you guys would be able to watch this flick and then send in some emails. Unfortunately, YouTube came back and said, oh, you know, we'll go ahead and play this. However, it's going to be blocked in the following countries. Well, guess what country it was blocked in? It was blocked in the United States. So only Canada could watch this movie of, of all places which is kind of funny so for those of you that have seen this film or you are going to watch this film let me kind of give you the basic rundown of what happened in this film especially if you have seen this but it was such a long time ago you're kind of vague on the details and everything let me kind of go through and uh, touch base there's actually a lot of great stuff in this film so let's start off movie came out 1987 and stars John Cryer, and he's essentially a Wall Street broker who goes back to high school because the mob is after him, trying to kill him, and that's how you get the whole hiding out. That's the that's kind of the basic concept. So, movie starts off, and uh, Andrew Morensky is John Cryer's character, and there's also two other guys. Uh, they're all stockbrokers, and they've managed to pass off these uh, bogus bonds. For a mobster who's awaiting trial. Now, one night at a bar, one of the stockbrokers goes home, gets shot. So the next morning, the FBI takes into custody John Cryer's character and his buddy. Now, convincing his F, uh, you know, convincing the FBI that you know he wants to get breakfast, get out of the safe house because he's been sitting there for about two weeks, roughly. Andrew and his uh, FBI bodyguards, if you will, they're like, yeah, it's cool. Let's get out. Nothing's going to happen at this time of day. But of course, there is a hired hitman who just so happens to be at the restaurant. And uh, one of the FBI actually gets uh, killed at the diner. The other one get in- uh, gets injured. And Andrew jumps out the window. He takes off. And the hitman try to chase after him. But he gets aboard a moving train. And he escapes the fate of the hitman. So that's kind of your kind of your first 15 minutes. So in a way, it's a little bit action-packed kind of. So essentially, Andrew, now he needs a new place to hide out. So Andrew, what he does is he contacts his cousin, which is played by Keith Coogan, and his aunt, which surprisingly is John Cryer's real-life mom. How cool is that, right? And um, he goes under disguise. What he does is it, it just kind of amazes me how he transforms himself. Because in the beginning of the film, he has a beard, he has a mustache, he has dark brown hair, and he has glasses. So he looks really mature, really old. All he does is he takes the glasses off, he shaves, and he does his sides uh, pure blonde. And immediately he looks 20 years younger. It's ridiculous how amazing his transformation looks. But what he does is he goes back to high school because he wants to arrange a meeting uh, at the high school to you know meet his aunt uh, because she works there as a nurse. But uh, while sitting in the nurse's office, 
you know, he doesn't want to in, you know, enroll in high school, but it kind of accidentally happens, and he decides to take on the name of uh, Maxwell Hauser. The reason why he gets the name is there's, of course, Maxwell House coffee can just sitting there, and he's like Maxwell Hauser. And uh, of course, high school, he starts all over again. It's a perfect way to to hide out, right? So he pulls his coven, uh, his cousin Patrick, which is Keith Coogan's character, aside, reveals himself. Everything is cool, and of course, they have a a bet going on that uh, if he can pass off being a high school student to his aunt, that Patrick will do his homework for the rest of the semester and, and so on and so forth. It becomes pretty fun. So Max passes the test. His uh, his aunt doesn't recognize that he's really Andrew. So, uh, of course, Patrick is now stuck doing his homework for the rest of the year. Now, uh, Max becomes kind of the school hero because he's uh, he's actually in class and one of the nasty teachers starts to uh, talk about Nixon and how, you know, he was a victim and he starts to go off on her. And uh, essentially, you know, it uh, changes the school's status quo. And uh, there's actually a current class president. His name is Kevin O'Rourke, who's played by this guy that who cares? I mean, he's basically a useless character in this film, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. But he does have a girlfriend, and his girlfriend's name is Ryan Campbell, who's played by the awesome Annabeth Gish, which I will talk about in just a moment here. Now, of course, Andrew does not want to run for school president because if he does that, it's going to give attention to himself. So that's the whole purpose of why he doesn't want to be, you know, the the new king of the school. Uh, There's actually an afternoon at a local diner where, you know, him and uh, Patrick are hanging out. He has his birthday card, which is supposed to go to his grandmother because his parents died um, during a car crash when he was a child. So his grandmother raised them. And all he wants to do is just mail out this birthday card to her. Um, and there's uh, a hitman, of course, the one that was at the bar. He's posing as an FBI agent, contacts the grandmother, sees where the card was postmarked. And that's how he's able to find out where Andrew has been hiding out. Now, in the meantime, Ryan and Max, they've been, you know, dating, uh, great montages of them just kind of falling in love. And of course, him not wanting to because he's so much older than her. And uh, it's they've got excellent chemistry together. But essentially, after, you know, they're kind of their big date, he goes home and the FBI is actually hanging out at his house. And that's because Max had used his ATM card. So, of course, it helped pinpoint that he was hanging out. So, Patrick, uh, what he does is he steals his mom's keys. And uh, they end up uh, going to the high school. And Andrew, a.k.a. Max, takes refuge there. And he essentially uh, lives there for a while during the film. Which is just some really great montage scenes of what happens. He does actually meet the school janitor, Ezard, and uh, they kind of share drinks together, and they he reveals who he truly is, and they become really good friends, and he's a really cool character, and he's actually an ex-boxer, which will come into play later. Now, Max will eventually embrace the fact of maybe it'd be cool to be class president, but of course, the election committee did rig the election to fall in favor of Kevin. Now, at some point, Max wants to drop out of high school. He's bored with it. 
you know, uh, the trial isn't going well because one of the guys doesn't want to testify. He's worried about his family and being found. Just everything's coming crashing down. But on the election day, Kevin is announced to be the winner. Uh, but, of course, Kevin doesn't believe he won because of the fact of the person that rigged it. Flat out told him she was going to do that. And he demands a recount in front of everybody, which is pretty cool. And, of course, most of the people did vote for Max. And as this is going on, that's when the hitman uh, goes on top. And he's, like, on top of, like, this, uh, I don't know, a balcony or whatever. And he starts to fire at Andrew. And, of course, Ezard, luckily, was up there, you know, cheering him on. And he... uh, he goes to take the guy out. There's two of them, and he takes one of them out, and he punches him out with his boxing skills. The other guy, Andrew, starts to go after the main hitman that's been after him the whole movie. It was a catwalk. That's what it was. I couldn't for the life of me think of what the name of that was. Now, uh, Patrick actually is in charge of the spotlight, so Andrew's chasing him up the catwalk, and uh, Patrick's using the spotlight to try to, to blind the hitman. But uh, the hitman is actually cutting Andrew's hand while he's trying to get away. But the hitman eventually loses grip, falls to the gym floor, dies. And, you know, that's when all is uh, revealed. Now, of course, Max did tell Ryan what was going on. So she already knew, you know, at the end of this, after the hitman showed up, she already knew what was going on. Now, uh, the graduation happens and, you know... Uh, you see Max or Andrew at the time. He's now done the testimony and he gets put into federal witness protection program. And uh, of course, he luckily they set it up earlier where they tell you where Ryan's going to go to school, which is in Iowa. So he did. Ha- he has a line where he says, I had a little say in the matter. He decides that he is going to go to the same school that Ryan goes to. And he changes his name to Eddie Collins, which I'll explain probably why he picked that in a moment and uh they basically he decides he's gonna become a teacher and they're together and and all is well and the movie is over and that's essentially if you haven't seen in a while that's kind of give you a a refresher of everything that happened in the flick all right guys now there's a lot of great stuff that happens in this film you know i have to say it's probably been about a good i don't know 10 12 years since I've seen this film. I mean, it definitely is embedded in my head because I've seen it a lot. But, you know, actually sitting down and paying attention, it really amazed me how tight the writing is in this film. It really is. I mean, things that get set up always pay off. There's only one thing that really doesn't work in this film, and even that still works. And I'll explain that in a little bit. Now, if you uh, notice the credits, the credit, uh, the way the credits are written, is written exactly the same way it is in short circuit. I noticed that right away as soon as I saw when they were doing John Cryer and hiding out. I was like, hey, that's the same way that Short Circuit's done. I thought that was pretty cool. Now, I was talking about earlier the way he looked right off the bat. John Cryer, is, uh, he's definitely one of those guys who are like Michael J. Fox to where he has a very young look to him. Uh, you know, No matter what kind of role you put him in, he's always going to look young. Uh, but surprisingly, it amazes me how wearing glasses, having a mustache and a beard made him look so much older. I think it's just the way he presented himself and he was just very believable. There's some actors that try to, you know, either act older or act younger and they just don't pull it off. But John Cryer, he pulls it off very well, very well indeed. So it's kind of amazing. Now, another movie 
that I absolutely love him in that I'll never do is uh, Morgan Freeman's Coming Home. And the reason for that is you can't find that film anywhere. I don't even have it on VHS. They've never made it on DVD. It's I've I, I can't even remember that film. I know I love it, and I know it came out shortly after this. I know he's in love with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and it's a super fun film, and I really enjoy it because he's got snotty, rich parents. I really love John Cryer in that film, and then all of a sudden he you know disappears off the face of the earth, and then he just shows up in a TV show, Two and a Half Men, one time, and I was like, wow, it's John Cryer again. Awesome. This is the movie that made me really enjoy him. But it just surprises me how good he looks, though, man, with the glasses, the, the glasses, the beard, and the mustache, how much older he comes across. It's It works very well. Now, I got to say I love his paranoid friend because his paranoid friend reminded me of me, one of the guys that are always talking about, no, you know, I'm worried about this, I'm worried about that. He was just very paranoid, and the other two guys would always give him crap. I was always the paranoid guy with my friends, you know. Uh, luckily... When we got into trouble, it wasn't as, as hardcore trouble as it could have been. And that's because yours truly was always the paranoid friend. Oh, we can't go down this block. Oh, we're wearing the wrong colors today. Oh, we're going to get shot. No, we're going to go to jail if you do that. You know, I was always the paranoid one. I always had the conscience where my friends never did. So luckily, that's why we were always able to stay out of jail, I think, is because I always had that conscience and they never did. So having a paranoid friend... Although annoying, you definitely got to have because it keeps you out of trouble. So I, I understood this paranoid friend guy. But, you know, of course, they're meant to be there for just a moment. I mean, the, the moment you get introduced to him, the next scene, the guy's head gets blown off. But I have to admit, though, man, that scene was pretty crazy. They play awesome techno music, but it's not techno music. It's like synthesizer music. It's beautiful. I love it. And the hitman turns it up and puts the gun to his head. But what I like is, is that they don't actually show him pull the trigger. The light just goes really bright. It's like you had to use your imagination, which is pretty awesome. I, I dug that effect. That was pretty cool. Now, uh, when they pick up Andrew, you know, to go into protection, I love the interrogation scene. That's essentially where they're like, okay, you know, we've been over this numerous times. Stop stalling. Where was this located? And you're thinking that they're interrogating him when he's smoking a cigarette. And all they're doing is they're playing a game. And he's just like, I just want to make a phone call. You know, I love that scene. I think it's hilarious. And I like the uh, I like the other cop. I, I don't really recall the other two cops names. One of them was bald headed. The other one was younger. He was the one that said, yeah, sure, let's go, you know. Well, the other guy, the older guy said, let's go get something to eat. And the other guy was just all, you know, paranoid and, and worried and stuff. But he was a great cop because he, when uh, the hitman comes, he actually jumps in front of the bullet and takes the bullet for Andrew, which is just shows you how much integrity and how great that cop, that detective really was. So now before that scene happens, you know, when they're in the restaurant, I love how it's 6 a.m. and uh, they're like, you know, what would you like for breakfast? And he's like, well, you know, the waffles, are they really golden brown? And uh, she just kind of rolls her eyes. But she's like, what would you like to drink? And he's like, I'd like scotch. And she's like, maybe it's all at 6 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, you're right. Make that a double. And she wants CID. Now, seriously, how stupid of a waitress can you be if you're going to ask this guy for an ID? It's not like he looks like he does later on as Max. 
This guy clearly looks to be over the age of 21 years old. You know, of course, it sets up the scene where, you know, the detective says, don't ever show your identification. You know, you don't want anybody to know where you are kind of thing. It's just like this waitress, though, seriously had a few screws loose to think that this guy was not 21 years old. I just kind of laugh at that scene. Now, when the uh, the hitman takes out the uh, detective, the other guy, he gets hit with a coffee pot. So it actually looks like glass goes into his eye and cuts him. He actually has an eye patch on. Uh, well, not an eye patch, but he has like a, a bandage over his eye, which, of course, at the end of the film, he's fine. But we'll get there later. Um, when Andrew's running away from the hitman, he has this book, which he's a stockbroker, so he has all of his clients. It's like his Bible. He can't go anywhere without it. It's his security blanket. And uh, essentially, when he's running away from the hitman, he's actually trying to catch a train. And at one point, he drops and finally decides to leave it behind. But I love it when he actually gets on the train and he sticks out his middle finger to the hitman. I always laughed at that as a kid, and I still laugh at it today because just the way his face looks when he gives the finger is just like, screw you, man, I made it and you didn't. I just love that scene. It's priceless. All right, so when we get introduced to uh, Keith Coogan's character, Patrick, uh, you know, that's when uh, Andrew makes the phone call. He picks up the phone, and he's like, let me talk to your, uh, let me talk to your mom. You know, and he's just, he's all about getting his license and just talking about random things. He's like, Patrick, put your mom on the friggin' phone. You know, and that was kind of funny. But uh, as far as his character goes, I really enjoy it. Uh, he's hes not as, uh, he's kind of a mix between Brad in Adventures of Babysitting. He's kind of annoying. And then you have him where he's kind of, uh, kind of got an, a little attitude problem as he does in, uh, don't tell mom the babysitter is dead, but not too much. He's just pretty much kind of a shy guy to himself, just wants to get through high school. He just kind of doesn't want to be a loser. So he's more Brad than he is Kenny. So I really enjoy him in his performance. He's solid from beginning to end. His jokes are great. His facial expressions are amazing. Uh, they He has great chemistry with John Cryer. So he is, as always... He's a great co-star to have, and it's unfortunate that I don't see this guy and and many other things outside of these uh, few films that I've had the pleasure of watching. So good times. Now I love the uh, scene where Andrew goes in and he's going to become uh, he's going to change himself. So he walks in to the drugstore and you have this dude. He looks like the guy that Sylvester Stallone fights in Over the Top. You know the big bald guy. He looks just like that guy. But uh, they they stare at him. He's like, nosebleed, major nosebleed. And I love it when he grabs the hair stuff and you just hear, holy, and he says the S word. And he comes out and, man, he looks completely different. So if you think John Cryer looks young on Two and a Half Men, you have to see him in this film. It's amazing. He literally looks like he's a teenager. It It's really, really awesome how well his hair changed and just doing that simple stuff really worked all right now i do have one question about like the you know the bums if you will you know he comes out and they're like hey mister do you have a cigarette you know and you could tell these guys are kind of homeless because he's got no shoes on he's got bags over his feet you know max does uh he does the switcheroo he gives him you know i'll give you the jacket i'll give you the shirt and a pack of cigarettes for your jacket isn't that gonna stink i always wondered that 
it's like obviously this guy being homeless he's not going to have no clean jacket on so i was just wondering if max kind of stunk i mean i know of course later he will wash it but for your first day of school showing up don't you want to not stink so you know it's a it's a small thing it's not like it kills the film for me but it does make me think to myself dude had to stink when he first showed up to school that's all i'm saying now you gotta love the kids when he shows up to school you know you got the homies hanging out and he's like hey you know can i can i get a cigarette off you and the guy gives him a cigarette and he asks for a lighter what dude smoking cigarettes doesn't have a lighter you know it's funny and he's just like nobody has a lighter and everybody just walks away but how can you have a pack of cigarettes and no lighter that always cracked me up now uh, there's a tiny character that I, I like in this film and his name is Sean. He's only shown once, but it's kind of a running joke. You know, as Andrew is sitting in the uh, you know, the office waiting for his aunt to show up, one of the guidance counselor is just like, Okay, Sean, you know, I know you did this and I know you're not sorry and he's like, I'm sorry you have the you know, Andrew's like, dude, you got the wrong guy and he's like, Oh, you know, what are you now? Are you sorry, Are you depressed, then let's call your parents and then you just hear some guy say, I didn't do S man, I didn't do it. He goes, Go ahead and call him, man. I really don't care. I didn't do S you know. It was hilarious. And then of course he gets mixed up to be this Sean guy later on in the film with the guidance counselor later. But it's just this Sean guy was just kind of funny because uh, he he sounded funny and he was just kind of a good comic relief. Now, you got to love how he gets his name. You know, what's your name? Of course, he doesn't want to give his real name. He says Andrew and he starts coughing and he just looks around. Maxwell. Maxwell what? Hauser, you know. It works. It really does, you know. Maxwell Hauser off a of Maxwell House coffee can, you know. It's kind of uh, it's kind of ingenious, if you will. I dig it. I've never had a problem with the name. I always thought it was cool. It's almost better than his real name. So good times. All right, now let's talk about let's talk about my second favorite character in this film, and that is Ryan. Now, uh, Ryan, as you know, is a girl name or a guy name. Now, the person that plays Ryan. Uh, her name is Annabeth Gish. Now, uh, probably the majority of you are going to know her from the movie uh, Mystic Pizza with Julia Roberts, or you may know her from the movie Shag, possible Double Jeopardy. Um, she was also Monica Rees on The X Files, um, or you may know her on The West Wing as Elizabeth. But today. I see her every Tuesday. Well, not every Tuesday, but roughly uh, every other, you know, once in a while. She is on Pretty Little Liars, which is on ABC Family, which Pretty Little Liars is uh, one of my all-time favorite shows. I love to watch it. Well, anyways, she is the psychiatrist on Pretty Little Liars. And let me just say, she's, uh, she's 41 years old now, man. She's still beautiful. I mean, she was beautiful in this movie, and she still is gorgeous now. Um, here's the thing. Um, I, I, I know I don't usually talk about emails until I actually get to the emails, but you know, I was reading the emails and I was reading over uh, Lisa, the legends email and she was talking about how Ryan, you know, she's great in other movies, but for this one, she was almost like a filler than a standout. And I gotta say, I, I really disagree with that statement for a lot of different reasons. Number one, um, she had amazing chemistry with uh john cryer's character she uh was very uh she's very thoughtful 
you know, she's very compassionate. For example, you know, the scene where Max tells her, you know, the truth, she doesn't get all psycho on him and stuff. She's just like, it's kind of like the first time I met my, you know, I met my wife and uh real crazy circumstance how we met but we we didn't hit it off very well uh in fact she called me a poser and i called her uh you know an itch with the b in front of it and uh and then needless to say a couple hours later we were like like i thought you hated me oh no i don't you know we're just talking and hanging out having a good time Later on that night, man, it got to the point where I like told her my deepest, darkest secret. And all she did is just look at me with like the most gentle eyes. And it was beautiful, man. I was like, man, I love this girl already. I was like, I know I'm going to marry this this girl someday, which is true, man. I did. Seriously, the second night I was like, that's going to be my wife. And And sure enough, she was. But Ryan's like that with Andrew. When he tells her what's going on, she's just like, she's understanding and she grabs his hand and everything. It's like, it's good times, man. And she uh, she's really great, uh, you know, telling her stories. The scene with her father is great. I love the roller skating scene. Uh, she's very, she's not a filler at all. She, you know, the guy that's a filler is, uh, what's his name? The, uh, the stupid, you know, class president that guy's a filler that guy is a waste of space in this film completely waste of space you know his character needed to be in here but the guy's useless i mean it's just he totally sucks whenever he's on screen but ryan ryan's amazing she's great at the female lead in this movie uh, I love every scene she's in. She's solid 100% all the way through. And this is my favorite performance from her. Forget Mystic Pizza. Forget X-Files. Forget all that stuff. This is the movie that I love her in because, you know, afterwards I was like, I want her to be my girlfriend, you know. So she was amazing. I love her. She was great. Now, uh, I love how Patrick and Andrew or Max first meet because uh, when he goes into the uh when he goes into the classroom they're talking about sexuality and they're talking about homosexuality which back in the 80s man you wouldn't see that kind of stuff in movies you know it was kind of it was kind of few and far between but uh he starts to wave at patrick and patrick automatically thinks he's gay and it just turns into a hilarious you know in the bathroom he's like dude you know there's hetero and there's homo and i'm way the f over here you know it's the because of course it's pg-13 you're allowed to say the f word once but it's just funny how he's like dude i love you like a cousin you know andrew you know and i i love their meeting together i thought it was hilarious all right now let's talk about clint now clint is from another tv show that I used to watch in the 90s and I can't put my hand I can't put my finger on where I seen this guy from. He was in a TV show um you know 227 and 21 Jump Street. He's been in various stuff. But anyways, this guy is great. He almost looks like Damon Wayne's and I love you know he's always got one hand in his pocket when he's walking. He's like, "Yo, bust the move, fellas." You know, this guy's great. Uh he never is cheesy only until the very end when he's like, yo, bust the move, fellas, you know, and he looks like a cheesy Damon Wayans, but only at the end. Otherwise, this guy works. Uh, he's absolutely, he's great in this film, and uh, he's not in it a whole lot, but he's kind of Max's campaign guy. He's behind the scenes. He's a move, a motivator. You know, that's me. That's what I'm saying, you know, and this guy's great. I love him. Now, let's talk about uh, the teacher. Uh, the one that rigs the uh, the campaign, she's the one that you know has the fight with Aunt, with Max about uh, you know about uh, Nixon, 
and you first meet her and he's smoking and, and you see Patrick say, don't breathe. And she walks in and starts to lecture him and then he can't hold it no more, blows out the smoke. No smoking on school grounds. You know, she's got this terrible voice. Uh, real like she's one of those teachers that you never want because she's just like you guys are all worthless and lazy and a bunch of garbage she's one of those teachers that is the worst teacher you could possibly have and she does a great job and represent that she's like basically you know in the last movie don't tell mom the babysitter's dead she was like she was the receptionist chick and uh, she's a terrible teacher so um, I'm really glad Max stood up, stood up to her and put her in her place. So uh, John Cryer's mom, as I mentioned before, is in this movie, which is really cool. Uh, she's essentially Patrick's mom. And I really like Patrick's room, you know, when he's hanging out after school, after he lost a bet. Uh, Patrick has this big old uh, attic, tons of crap in it. And of course, you have uh, Max that hides out under the laundry once the mom comes up there and she starts to kick the laundry. Like, look at all this laundry I got to do. And it's kind of funny. But this is one this is one scene that I never understood, even as a kid or even now, is she's like, I called the FBI and he goes, you called the FBI? Oh, my God. You know, just like he does in uh, Adventures in Babysitting when he starts to freak out. He does the same thing in this movie when he's when he talks really high, like, oh, my God, you called the FBI. Oh, my God. You know, it's just, it's hilarious. But I never understood why he freaks out that she called the FBI. You know, there's no legitimate reason to why he freaked out about that. I just always went along with it. I probably have to say that uh, my second favorite scene in the film is the confrontation with the teacher when, you know, Ryan uh, is her report is getting picked on and she's talking about how Richard Nixon was a victim and you just see Max just rolling around in his chair and she's like you got something to say and he goes yeah I got something to say and he just starts you know no disrespect but and he starts talking about Cambodia and he starts going off and that's when everybody's looking around like wow this Max guy he knows a lot and uh, I love it when now uh, is this your class or is this our class? We're all adults here. And you just hear Patrick, it's her class, D-brain, you know, and oh, I just love it. That's my second favorite scene of the whole entire film. I love that confrontation. Now, uh, there's one character in this film that doesn't really get talked a lot about from other people, but I absolutely, I find him hilarious. And that's the guy over the PA. He has some interesting comments when you listen throughout the movie whenever they're in high school. He talks about how, well, if you didn't show up here, it's because you didn't get the wax out of your ears. And, uh, you know, please, uh, he just starts talking random stuff. And he's like, you know, when we lost, it wasn't one of our shining moments. I mean, this guy has a very monotone voice. He sounds like that guy from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, you know, the Bueller, Bueller. He has that kind of voice. But the things he says over the PA is absolutely hilarious. You got to you gotta sit back and listen to the stuff he says because you're going to end up laughing your head off. It's great. Now, one scene I love is the rap scene, you know, where they pull Max aside in the bathroom and they're like, you'll bust a move. And they start doing the rap and talk about how he should be the main campaign guy because they're tired of having Kevin be the school president and they need some fresh blood. And I just love when you see Patrick later on. I wonder how those guys do that. You know, it's it's absolutely hilarious. I mean, of course, I can never do that. I always thought it was cool myself when I heard guys do that. But I love that rap scene. It's kind of cheesy, but I dig it. 
Now,、uh, when the date happens, you know I love this scene. This is where you know he's getting ready for the date. He's gonna go see Ryan, and、uh, you gotta love. He, he walks up to the door. He's like, "Please, Ryan, don't let your father answer. The last thing I need to do is talk to him." And he answers the door, and it's like, "Hi, I'm Bob. I'm I'm Ryan's father." He's like, "Oh, great!" And of course, he's a stockbroker. And、uh, he starts talking about, you know, or what are you doing? And he goes, "Oh, I'm working on this new tax code thing." And and Max is just like, "Oh, tell me about it." And he goes, "So are you、uh, are you itemizing or are you standard?" And the dad just looks at him like, "What? Why? Why are you asking me that?" And he goes, "I'm itemizing." And he goes, "Oh." Well, oh no, you did that. Oh wait, but you missed this, you know. And if you do this, then that's like a thousand bucks right there. And the dad starts to choke, and he's just like, "Wow, I missed that. You're in the same classes as Ryan." And then she all comes down. He's like, "Let me treat you guys." And、uh, she's like, "Wow, you know." And then they get outside, and she's like, "You know, twenty minutes ago he was yelling about the heat bill, you know." So I love that scene. It's great, you know. It's great. It's just the way the comedy was built in that scene. Was priceless. It's one of the gems of this movie. Is little tiny scenes like that. That's what really makes this movie so good. Is the there's not like a big standout scene where when you think of hiding out, you think of one or two particular scenes. You think of the little scenes that build up to the whole entire movie. If that makes sense. You know, there's a lot of movies when you say that movie. Or you think the movie there's like one or two specific scenes that pop in your head, but with this movie, it's one of those little movies like、uh, Legend of Billy Jean, where all the little scenes build up, and it just you have such great epic memories of the film because every bit of story that you're seeing on screen, you know, plays off the last scene and just builds and builds and builds, and then by the end. You just had this amazing movie, and that's exactly how Hiding Out is. And I think for the people that have seen this movie, why it still resonates with them today, and why they still really love this movie, because there's so many great little scenes. So I, that's the best way I can describe it. You know,、uh, when I was talking about how this movie has really、uh, solid writing, you know,、uh, just like the the little lines that are said that eventually build off each other later. You know, when she's just like. You know, hey,、uh, I'm so excited! I got accepted to this college in Iowa, and then you don't hear nothing about it again for the rest of the whole entire movie. And then all of a sudden, you get to the end, and she's in Iowa, and you're like, "Oh, that's right! That's because earlier in the film she mentioned Iowa." Stuff like that. There's little, there's lines that build up, you know, that are said once and then built upon later or come back later. Uh, to tie everything up, you know, there's no loose ends, which I really, really enjoy. You know,、uh, I really dig the、uh, the roller skating scene. You know, I love that song "Crying" by Roy Orbison. I think is his name. I love that song. You know, it, of course, it's kind of a sad song, but it kind of it's kind of the theme song of this movie. And、uh, I'm so like that. I can't roller skate. You know, when I when I go out and I skate, man, I'm on like one leg and I'm pushing the other leg because one leg stands still and the other one moves. I just can't roller skate for the life of me. Put a gun to my head, I can't roller skate. It's just I'm not very good at it. So I so was feeling Max on this, but I love the date. They have really good chemistry, and I just love how he's so open and honest with her. Uh, as much as he possibly can be. So Ryan, she's beautiful in this whole scene, and、uh, I just, I just really dig these two together. And you know, Tawana kind of made a comment about statutory rape, which is kind of funny because、uh, 
I guess I could say that there's one piece of writing that doesn't fit and or I should say it kind of contradicts itself. So they're sitting there, you know, roller skating and he's like, can you believe I haven't roller skated in 15 years? And she's like, oh, so that means you were two. So that means technically he's supposed to be 17 years old, right? Well, then she's like, do you have a girlfriend? He goes, well, yeah, I do. Well, actually, uh, I, I did. And he talks about how, you know, we were this close to getting married and, you know, um, it was we were together for three years. So that means that he was 14 years old when he got together. So what 14-year-old wants to get married? I mean, I know it's kind of, you know, 14-year-olds always joke about, I love you, I love you, I want to get married. But, you know, they're having a serious conversation here. So it should have kind of tipped her off a little bit that his numbers are a little bit off. But, again, I let it go. You know, it's like it's tight writing, but there's like just one or two missteps. And that's one of them is, uh, is that particular, you know, line of dialogue. And then the other one was like, you called the FBI? Oh, my God. You know, that one was just stupid. I was like, why why are you going crazy over that? But no big deal. Now, one thing I love about Ryan is this girl, she's a move. She's a move maker. Okay. You know, usually it's the guy that's got to, you know, do the kissing, do the hugging, all that crap. Uh Uh-uh. Ryan's just like, give me your arm and put it around my neck. And again, that plays off later. You know, they're in the car and she's dropping him off and she goes to make the move and she puts her head under his arm. And then later on in the film, when they're back together again, she does the exact same thing. It's like little things like that. It's really, really cool. But I just like how she makes the move, man. It's good stuff. Now, uh, after the date's over and, you know, Max gets back to the house and you see Frankie there uh it's his face seems a little bit better it originally i thought that the glass went in his eye but maybe it was just the side of his face but i didn't really see any scarring at the end of the film when they show andrew at the trial you know um you know testifying against the mob guy so that just seemed a little bit weird but maybe i missed it maybe you know I don't, maybe I wasn't paying attention, but uh, it was cool to see Frankie back. You know, that's where you realize, well, how'd the, you know, how'd the FBI find him? And that kind of makes sense how the hitman's able to find him because of the whole card and everything like that. So, so that all plays well together. And a funny scene when they're leaving and he's like, you know, lead on Rambo. And you just see Patrick jumping over the fence when the fence was open. It was like, seriously, dude, why didn't you walk through that? And I just love Max's face when he's like, dude. The fence was open. Why didn't you walk through it? But I like when uh, they're going to the school and you have Max singing and crying. And then you have uh, Patrick trying to do the beatbox. And he's like, Patrick, it's not a rap song. you know." So I kind of like that mix, though. It was kind of cool. Now, uh, this scene is probably my favorite scene of the film. And that's the montage scene of when he is in the high school hanging out where uh, he gets on the uh, PA system and he talks about how there's going to be changes. Teachers, you know, class is way too long. We can do everything in 15 minutes. You know, from now on, students will do reports on you. And you just see a montage of him tearing down the posters. You see him learning the roller skate. You see him getting ready for school. You see him and Ryan smiling at each other and just being together and i just this whole scene i love it's my favorite part of the film a lot of damage is done within this short montage you can tell a lot of time passes by and somehow off screen 
you'll find out that Ryan did break up with uh, with Kevin. So they don't, uh, you know, that's one of those funny things is the fact of you don't actually see it on screen. You just have to, because at first you're just like, wow, is she cheating on Kevin this whole time? But no, off screen she broke up with him so she could be with Max. So that was kind of cool. And during the montage scene, I, I think it's hilarious that he's smoking a cigarette while he's doing sit-ups. You know, it's like he's trying to be all healthy and keep in shape, and then he's smoking cigarettes. You know, it's kind of funny. But I love the boxer, man. I love when, you know, he gets busted, and he's like, oh, man, I'm not supposed to be in here either. And he gets to finally spill uh, spill the beans about who he is. And he's like, you don't get a nose like this by being, you know, by not being around he talks about being a boxer which of course pays off later because he goes up against the hitman's assistant and he knocks him out with some crazy punches but i like this scene these two work good together and uh it's cool because it shows you how he's got a place to stay even though they don't show you the shower i assume the custodian has a shower down there but and essentially he wants to open up a a donut shop and that's why he's hanging out at the school so he could save money so it all works out really well and he he actually has a funny name for him he calls him mad max which is kind of funny and of course we all know in weird science we love it when andrew uh when anthony michael hall gets drunk it's hilarious his voice he does but when John Cryer's character gets drunk he has this crazy laugh that's hysterical and I I don't know I just I just think it's funny some might think it's over the top but I really enjoyed his his drunk laugh it was good times now uh, I always did think that the hitman was kind of too nice you know it's like he goes to the grandma and he's trying to get information but he talks all nice and sweet to her and i'm just like man what's up with this hitman you know when you first see him in the film and he shoots up the place you're like wow this guy's this guy's hardcore but then he talks to the grandma it's like i know he's supposed to get information but he's just too nice you know uh, obviously he's not a very good hitman, as Max points out later. He goes, what kind of hitman is afraid of heights, you know? And, um, I, I like how this hitman kind of sucks, you know? It's like, he's not, he's not the greatest, you know? It's like, he's, he's a decent hitman, you know? Obviously he, he's effective in a way because, you know, he shot at Andrew and killed the cop and shot the other one and hit the coffee mug and, you know, he's good at firing, but all in all though, uh, he just seems too nice. You know, it's like this scene kind of throws me off. I'm like, what kind of hitman is this guy? You know, and I understand the the concept of the scene that he's trying to get information to find out where Andrew is. But you never get that tension like he's going to kill the grandmother. You know what I mean? So that's kind of why as a hitman, this guy's kind of weak. So um, another scene that I, I definitely love is the uh you know, you're definitely screwed. You know, Patrick is all about trying to get his license and uh, he has a hard time getting his license because he's always doing something wrong in driver's ed. He ended up crashing into a bunch of nuns. So therefore, you know, him and Andrew have this uh, fight, how each person's life is worse than the other one, kind of reminiscent to uh, don't tell mom the babysitter's dead, but this one's kind of more funny and I dig it. Uh, it was it's really funny, but I just like where he's like, I'm sorry, man, you know. And uh, what are you hoping for? And he's like, Well, you know, uh, I love I hate high school. I love Ryan. I want Capitals convicted, but I don't want to die. And he's like, You're basically screwed, you know, which is in the trailer. So I just love the way he says it and the smile on, on his face. It's priceless. 
Now, uh, after this, when uh, Ryan is questioning where does he live, he never tells her, you know, and he's just like, you want to find out where I live? You know, normally in typical movies, when you're having a conversation like this, the other party is kind of like they're either pissed off or they're angry or they're distant. Not Ryan, man. You know, Ryan asked him, you know, I want you to tell me the truth. And he's like, okay, fine, I'll tell you the truth. And he's kind of like, I don't really want to. You know, you can feel the frustration. And she grabs his hand as they're walking. You know, it's like, that is awesome. That's like, it kind of separates her from typical, normal, you know, fights like this or typical you know, female leads. So that's why I love Ryan so much, man. She's very compassionate. She really, really loves Max, which is awesome. Now, I do have to admit, I did think she took it really well. You know, when he explains to her what's been going on, she never even once brought up the age factor, you know, uh, which I thought was cool. You know, it's like it it doesn't bother her. It doesn't change her feelings because, you know, he's like everything I said, was from my heart it was from Andrew's heart you know he basically confesses his love to her to say look I know you know here's the reason why I'm, I'm lying to you because to protect to protect you you know from harm and it's like she gets it you know she's not like all like pissed off and she's not all selfish with their reasons or anything like that she just gets it she understands which is why these two are so perfect together which is why i argue the fact of she's not solid in this performance she's really really great she's very believable and it's just like man that is a good girl man and you better hold on to her now uh, i do want to reminisce a little bit to adventures and babysitting if you guys remember in the scene where uh, daryl and brad they're in the back of the of the car and uh you know daryl pulls out the playboy of elizabeth's shoe you know it's not supposed to be her but it's obviously her and he does that funny face when she's telling the ghost stories and he sticks out his his tongue and he starts to go like real fast and his eyes are all beady and brad kind of is like what are you doing he does that exact same face when he's with this girl and she says that she can't see anything unless it's three inches in front of her face and he's like you can't see me, and he does the face that Daryl does. I thought it was hilarious. It was a good callback to Adventures in Babysitter. I thought it was real funny. And, of course, when he goes to kiss her, then she sees him, and she just smiles, and good stuff. All right, so here's the only dumb scene of the movie, and this is dumb, okay? As I told you, there was, like, two lines where I was just like, okay, that didn't make any sense why you had those lines in there. But this one is dumb, and that is when uh, Max decides that, you know, he's going to quit school, and he goes to confront Kevin, and uh, Kevin's all about, he wants to beat up Max because, number one, he stole Ryan from him, and, you know, the whole class present the whole class president thing and he's just like dude i don't want to fight you he goes i'm sorry and he's like i'm dropping out and he's like you know i'm not even going to be with ryan anymore you know treat her good uh don't treat her like a bunch of real estate and he says what did she say about me max what did she say it's like where is where are you getting that where is that coming from that's not what your character should say in something like that. What did she say about me? It should be like he should be upset and like, well, why are you dropping out or why are you breaking up with Ryan? You know, like he should have said something else instead of, well, what'd she say about me? It's like, 
What the hell does that have to do with the tea in China? I just don't get that scene. It's like I get the scene, like him confronting him to say he's quitting. I just don't get Ryan's perspective. This guy is dumb. His character is stupid. I mean, they, this actor is definitely phoning it in. And he's the lamest part of this movie, unfortunately. This guy is piss poor if you will. So I, I can't stand this Ryan guy. He sucks. He's just like the other guy in event. And, uh, don't tell mom the babysitter's dead Gus, but at least Gus was somewhat at least had a little bit of blood flowing through his veins. This guy is like, uh, like if a wooden, if a wooden stick was the act, that's what this guy is. So this guy's, t- this guy sucks. But anyways, he, he doesn't make any sense. He's like, what'd you say about me? Well, what does that have to do with anything? So anyways, let's move on. And uh, then we get to the end of the film where uh, it's the election day. And he's happy that uh, he lost. And, uh, of course, Kevin's just like, well, let's have a recount. And then you have the hitman uh, on the catwalk about ready to shoot. And then, of course, you have, you know, the boxer sees what's going on. And it's a really good scene. And, uh it is kind of funny when Kevin does say, I thought I was the only guy that wanted to kill you. And you see, and Max says, you know, get in line. Uh, I like the confrontation of going up against the hitman, and you got all the guys going after him and it's a good scene. I dig it. And then of course he falls to his death and that's when uh, he goes to trial, which is kind of funny. You know, he's all cleaned up, ready to go, but he doesn't dye his hair, you know? So I, I would think though with a trial, usually trials last longer than just like one one case you know what i mean they usually last for a couple weeks a couple months so you would think he would have dyed his hair back to the way it was instead of leaving it blonde like that but you know again it's something that i forgive and finally we're at the end at the uh, college you can tell she cut her hair you can tell it's been a while the book says iowa so you know that she's clearly at her school and that's where uh, he had told his grandmother that, you know, I'm going to witness protection, but I kind of had a say in it. So it sets up the talk earlier about her going to college. So uh, I, I like how they uh, how they, you know, pull that story together. And, uh, you know, he introduces himself as Eddie Collins. Now, here's the thing. There's kind of a joke to this. If you pay attention when he is in the parents, you know, when he's talking to the dad and the dad goes to get him a drink because he makes the joke. He goes, what would you like to drink? Oh, you know, I have a scotch and Coke. And the dad looks at him like, what? He goes, I'm joking. I'm joking. You know, because he forgets that he's, you know, he he's a kid. And the dad goes to get something to drink for him. And he's like, you know, you got to stop talking like that. You sound like Eddie Haskell, you know, from Leave it to Beaver. So that's where the whole Eddie name comes from because, you know, that was the last name, the last made up name he had for himself. So I'm not sure if that's really the case, but that's kind of where I got the whole Eddie name from is because he was joking about Eddie, you know, from Leave it to Beaver and the dad's house, you know, and he wanted to tie it together. And I love the line, you know, she uh, she's so excited to see him. She filed the trial and uh, she's single and she takes his arm and she goes under and they kiss and how do you like college and he's like it's so much better the second time you know versus earlier in the film he said i hated school the first time you know so good stuff so overall guys um the the rating i gotta go with this film uh even with nostalgia factor included 
I really enjoyed this movie from beginning to end. You know, outside of the one dumb scene, which it's not even scene, I should say dialogue. Outside of the real stupid dialogue from Kevin uh, talking about, what you say about me? And then you have the, Yo, oh my God, you called FBI? You know, uh, and then I think there was one other line where I was just like, that didn't make any sense. So there's like three dialogue scenes that are kind of out there. I give this one a solid four. Seriously, this is such a good film. It still holds up to this day. I still enjoy the story. I still enjoy the characters. Uh, It's a really simple movie. You know, it's a basic concept. Uh, Anybody can get it. And uh, it's just a movie... Like I said, man, it uh, it's just really solid. You know, it has a lot of heart to it. It's really good. I really enjoy it. So this one is a solid four for me. So uh, so that is my review for Hiding Out. So let's hear what the STL Nation has to say. All right, so uh, we didn't get a lot of emails. We just got two emails. So the first one is from Lisa the Legend, and uh, she said, Hi, y'all. I am so over the moon you are doing Hiding Out. I'm a huge fan of John Cryer. He's such a wonderful actor and has some amazing roles. My favorite time period for him was the 80s. Uh, You couldn't enjoy his movies more like Pretty in Pink, Hiding Out, No Small Affair, and can't forget uh, Morgan Stewart's Coming Home. He created roles that really stayed with you for the long run, so I'll jump in the movie. Uh, I love how when the movie started, you see John Cryer being an an older looking man. For some reason, he always reminded me of Fisher Stevens, uh, another actor from the 80s that for the life of me, I can't can't remember his name. And Fisher Stevens is awesome. I mean, you guys know my love for Fisher Stevens on my science project and the Short Circuit movies. Uh, I thought he was uh, in Short Circuit or Batteries Not Included, but he wasn't. Um, Fisher Stevens is in Short Circuit. He was in Short Circuit 1 and 2, but he's Vinny in my science project. That's where Fisher Stevens is the best at. Uh, I remember them saying when the film... um, when they were filming that the scene with the other accountant in the bathroom, when they, uh, when they were arguing, um, the film from over, wait, I remember them saying, uh, when they were filming the scene with the other accountant in the bathroom, they were arguing, they filmed from overhead. They made a point to show uh, John Cryer's hair with the small bot spot, uh, bald spot to show aging to really sub, uh, subconsciously put, uh, home to the point of him becoming younger later in the movie, which is a good point. Uh, you know, they do a lot of great tricks on on his whole character from going, you know, older to younger. Uh, you also got to love how he wears his pants. Too funny. Of course, the best part is his hair. The blonde is great 80s hair. They certainly didn't skimp on the, on the violence either. First showing his friend gets shot in the head and then the dinner scene where the cop gets killed and the other gets his eye taken out, which, of course, he has his eye. Uh, later on in the film so that that's kind of another flaw is it looks like his eye gets cut out but at the trial he's got both eyes Uh, my question is why does he just have a patch on it and not going to the hospital Uh, I'd be a little concerned about losing my eye which I see where you're coming from but the dude's probably in shock he lost his partner and he's getting yelled at so uh, what are you gonna do right 
we can't help but uh, be happy when you finally get introduced to Cousin Patrick. It's so funny uh, that uh, he's excited about the most uh, that he's he's most excited about getting his driver's license. Uh, he always plays such a good comedic role. I love when Andrew uh, is got into his first class and uh, he sees Patrick. Patrick thinks he's hitting on him because he doesn't recognize him. Then Patrick tells Max to think, uh, you know, think like he's in high school, repression, limits, humiliation, and despair. That was hilarious. Um, I love the rap that they make up for uh, Max running for president when Patrick trying to rap. It was good, too. Uh, I know Ryan, Annabelle Gish, is a big love interest. I think she done some great roles, but I think for this movie, she was more of a filler than a standout. Uh, she's cute for this role. It was fun to see them roller skating. People just don't do that anymore. It's great how Patrick saved Max from being caught and then uh, puts him up in his uh, puts him up in school and it makes me smile as Mac run, uh, Max runs the halls, uh, learning to skate and playing around with the PA system, which I just love that scene. It's my favorite. And I love listening to Max and Patrick argue. I love how Patrick fights his place on his teenage driving problems and as bad as Max being threatened uh, to be killed. I like how the storyline has more than just the murder case. It's got its cousin's life, school, love interest, politics, and general life, which you're right. It's a really good balance. I got to love the class presidency scene. It was a nice uh, wind up when he got uh, to testify against the bad guy and see, uh, and see him, uh, so of course you've got uh, your last scene with him going back to college. I always love this movie. It has the right amount of solid story, comedy, cheese, and John Cryer, of course, which that definitely sums it up. You're right. It's got a solid story. It's got really good comedy. It's got some cheese factor in it, and it's got John Cryer. So very good, very good points. I am sure uh, we're in for another stellar review, and I'll catch up with you soon. Take care, Lisa the Legend. So thank you, Lisa so much for writing in uh i know you were an advocate for me to do this movie so so this review is for you and tawana because i think you two are the only ones that are going to be listening to this episode and of course the last one comes from tawana she's like hello sweep the lake awkward moments and potential statutory rape aside hiding out is a great 80s flick and arguably john cryer's best role besides morgan stewart i agree uh, he did, I like hiding out and then Morgan Stewart for me. Uh, Hey, did you notice that his mom is in this movie too? I did. Uh, you probably mentioned that already, huh, Mike? Uh, anyways, I really got a kick out of seeing, uh, John Bayer in this too. I know people find her annoying, but she doesn't bother me or joy, joy Behar in this too. Uh, I wonder if anyone but me saw Annabelle Gish's first movie called Desert Bloom. John Voight is her well-meaning, uh, P... TSD stepdad. It's a really good coming of age story, and I wish more people would check it out. Holler back, Lisa the Legend, if you've seen this. I'm sure she has. I have not. Okay, well, I'll start to ramble on, so I will end by saying, Catch Me, I'm Fallen. I absolutely love that tune. It's so good. That uh, song was actually played. Uh, during the roller skating scene when he's going to go get food and comes back with mustard instead of ketchup. I absolutely love that tune. It's so good. All right, that is it for now. See you online. Take care, Diversity. So thank you, Tawana, Diversity Williams, for writing in. As always, thank you guys uh, for your emails. I appreciate it so much. So uh, that's it for emails. So let's hear and go to the music spotlight. Here comes the music. 
All right, so for this music spotlight, I got a new tune for you from a new album. Uh, last Tuesday, uh, there's uh, a rock band uh, named Red released a new album called Release the Panic. I believe this was the number one rock album on iTunes last Tuesday. And uh, there's a particular song that I love from this album. It's uh, actually my favorite. And uh, the name of the song is Die For You. And uh, it's really, uh, man... Salad, listen to it. I think you'll dig it. It's pretty awesome. Uh, I really dig Red. They got a lot of great tunes. I really like this album overall. Uh, it's got a really good. Uh, they do a lot of um, you know cellos and stuff, kind of like Skillet and stuff uh, on various tunes. But uh, this is an amazing rock album. I really enjoy it. But I think you really love this song. It's pretty awesome. It's pretty short too. It's only like uh, two, like it's not even three minutes long. So it's definitely radio friendly. So uh, I hope you enjoy that song. Now, uh, don't forget, uh, with this episode, there was also another episode that came along with it, and that was the uh, Underground Hour. Uh, that's the newest episode for you. The uh, that's gonna that's just a normal Underground Hour episode. Uh, the next Underground Hour episode will be a themed episode to Lincoln Park. So if you have any Linkin Park tunes that you want to showcase in the STL song requests, go ahead and send those in. Uh, if you want to write in about the next movie, uh, just one of the guys, please do so at sweepdelaypodcast.yahoo.com or stlpodcast at gmail.com. I'm trying to get Jameson on that one. We will see how it goes. We are recording this week. Uh, for Changing Channels podcast. So please write in for The Big Bang Theory. That's the show that we're covering this month. We'll probably be recording the next two days. So please write in uh, on that show to ccpodcast1 at gmail.com. And uh, it's been, uh, you know, thank you for joining me for this. Uh, I'm happy today is the the two-year anniversary. I hope you guys like the new logo and I hope you enjoyed the show. And uh, I will catch you guys next week. When we, uh, when we talk just one of the guys, and then we will roll into the final two series of, uh, of the STL before the 100th episode. The first series is Lethal Weapon, followed by the Rocky series. It's going to be some fun, fun time. So that is it, guys. You guys have a great week. You take care. I'm soonest out.